All right. Happy Sabbath once again, everyone. All right. So this morning, you know, what I really wanted to go over was um, it was Second Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. But um, the notes I have for that, I'm not going to be going through that. But I'm going to be going through something. We're going to take a look at something just as much near it as as anything else. And. And in the meantime, can somebody find Isaiah 8.20 and Matthew 15, where the, I, I don't remember the verse, where Christ is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. Matthew 15, and after that, Isaiah 8.20, not yet though, but Matthew 15, what was the next one, listen? Yes, John 6.63, that was it. John 6.63, Matthew 15, John 6.63, and then there's um, Thessalonians, right? Yes, um, after John 6 was Thessalonians, right? Say, oh, 1 John 3.4, amen. Then somebody find 1 John 3.4, and the other one was De Dennis Thessalonians, right? Huh? James 1.14.15, and then James 4, right? And then Thessalonians. Mm -hmm. All right, all right. Okay, cool. Okay, can somebody read first? I mean, not first, John. Isaiah 8 20. All right, in that text, if you just pull that up and if you just pull that up in Ellen White's writing, she will tell you right up. I mean, the text says it itself. To the law and to the test, if they speak not. Anything spoken, it has to be according to the law and the testimony. So that means everything that God is, every prophet that ever comes upon the scene, it's all, everything that comes out of their mouth is always to the law and to the testimony. And if it's not to the law, and if it's not to the testimony, there is no light in them. And John 1 says there's no life in them. And, and first, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says light is knowledge, so there's no knowledge in them. Because their knowledge is not leading you to, to honor the law or the testimony. Amen. The knowledge that they teach is actually leading you away from the law and the testimony. But Satan does this only in two ways. He only has two ways in which he does this. Does anyone happen to know what those ways are? There's only two ways Satan leads people away from the law and the testimonies. Because he can only do it in those ways. Outright. Thank you. Yeah, does it outright or, or Deceptively, right? That's it. It's either deception or open, or he openly just goes against it. And who is his two agents that show this easily? And Catholicism. These are Satan's two agents to lead people against the law and the testimonies. He, he can only work like that. That's it. It's either deceitfully or openly. Those are the only two ways. So those who have the spirit of Satan, they only work in two ways. They will either openly speak against the law and the testimony, or they will dishonestly speak against the law and the testimony. I'm going to take the hand. But you can always detect them no matter which form he comes in. Amen? That's what the Bible's for, to detect no matter what form Satan wants to present, whether it's deceitfully or openly, you can always detect them, even amongst us. You can all, it doesn't matter what anybody teaches. You can detect them every single time. If you take what they say to the what? To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this. If their teaching does not end in the conclusion of you keeping God's commandment, there's no light in them. The first and second angel's message, what was his conclusion? 
the keeping of the commandments. So every teaching should conclude with you keeping the commandments. Amen? So any teaching that doesn't end with the conclusion of you keep, so then where should you go to find out what people are teaching? The conclusion. Yeah, no, but, but to the conclusion. David said, I went into the sanctuary and saw the what? The conclusion. So I saw where their teaching is leading me. And amen. Amen. So that keep the whole law. Every message, that's his conclusion. This is why people are always deceived because they don't reason from cause to what? To the conclusion. They don't think about what's being said from its cause. Okay, this person is teaching this. Well, let me sit down with my Bible and see where it's going to take me. Is it going to take me to, to honor the Sabbath or is it going to take me to dishonor God's Sabbath? Amen. Go ahead with the hand. Yes, amen. And it says to launch the testimony, if they speak not according to this yeah, word, that's not it. it is because <laughs> amen. the reason they don't speak to the law and to the testimony is because they have no light. Amen. By this cause, yes. there is By no uh, Yeah, cause, that's really nice. They have no light. Amen. They cannot speak according to the law. law. Amen. And so who, who didn't give them anything? Christ. Christ didn't give them anything, right? All right, so next text. What was it, Matthew? Matthew 15. 12th word, thank you. Says, o generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Amen. So anything that comes out of their mouth is, a, is against what? The law and the testimony. Because the conclusion is they're going to lead you to do something evil at the end of the day. Amen. And how were they doing it? Jesus used the context because they were, they were teaching that if you didn't wash your hands, that you were going to be defiled. But did the law actually teach that? No, it didn't. Should we wash our hands before we eat? Yeah. Yes, we should do that. But they were using that as a, as a means of leading people to break God's commandments because they were they were teaching the um, tradition. They they were exalting the tradition above God's law, and Christ was using that. That's what your teaching is doing. You're exalting this washing of hands as though as though that's the end all. Yes, it's important to wash your hands. But are you now saying because someone is very hungry and, and food is right before them that if they don't wash their hands, they're going to be lost as a result of not doing that? That's really what was happening. And Christ is like, that's not what's going to defile a man. It's what comes out of his mouth. That's what's going to defile a man. It's what, what he has placed in his mind and his heart. As soon as he speaks it, it's either going to defile him or it's going to cleanse him. Amen? The, the opposite is also true. If the words we speak are pure words, then it's going to cleanse us. But if the words we speak are impure words, it's going to make us defiled. These are the lessons Christ is trying to convey to them. Amen? All right, so the next shall be con or condemned. Amen. Amen. So what we teach is going to, I mean, this is why Ellen White can say what she says, that when we speak, it has a reflection upon our character. And that's why we have to be careful of what we say. But it's going to be impossible to be careful when you don't have any love for the law or the testimony. If you don't have a love for the law or the testimony, you can't be careful. You're going to be dishonest. You're, you, you have no choice but to be dishonest. Why? Because there's something you really want, but the law forbids it, and the testimony teaches against it. The testimony teaches against it, and the law plainly says you shouldn't have it. So now you're going to frame your words to appear as though you're not trying to do away with the law, and you're not teaching against the teaching. But anyone who sits down and really listens to what you're saying will look at the conclusion, no, 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 you're, 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 you're breaking the law. 
you're, you're clearly breaking the law. I can see you're breaking the law. And, and, and then when you go to them, we're going to see what happens when we go to them. When we go to, to the reason why I'm saying this is important that we understand these things. Because if we don't, the, the, we're about to engage in the most severe battle. The Sunday law is the most detrimental battle that, that this, I mean, this is, the, this is World War III, the Sunday law. That's the real World War III, where it's the last conflict that's going to be waged on planet Earth. And it's against God's law and it's against his testimony. It's going to be very fierce. And, and, and I, I mean, it's going to be really fierce. And the only way we're going to get through it is if we understand the law and the testimony for ourselves. Amen. All right, the next one was, you said it was John. You don't have to read that one. That one, for Christ says, um, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen? Mm -hmm. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And why I went there is because everything Christ speaks is going to be to the law and to the testimony. But going, it would tend towards life. Amen? But take that chapter, and that whole chapter was about the law and the testimony. Because the law says, don't eat no flesh with the blood thereof. That's what the law says. So the Jews, when they heard Christ's word, they thought he was what? Speaking against the law and the testimony. So they said, we can't hear. This is a hard saying, but they knew what Christ was doing. Because what was Christ trying to do there? Separate the natural from the spiritual. Amen. That's what Christ was trying to do. There. They knew that Christ's words was figurative. But Christ also wanted them to see, even in figurative language, it should not lead you to break the law and the testimony. Amen. It was designed to actually exalt the law and the testimony. He was trying to teach them that the law says you have sinned, but the only remedy is who? Me. That's what Christ was trying to point to. I'm the remedy for violation of the law of God. I'm the only remedy that can come and heal you from your sin. That's what Christ was pointing them to. So he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood and you will have what? Life. He says, you will have life if you eat my flesh and drink my blood. This is the only way you can get life because the Jews, they thought the way you get life was by doing the work. But Christ says, no, this is the work. Believe on him in whom he has sent. This is the work that you're supposed to do. They were going about to establish a righteousness of their own. And what were they doing? They were breaking the prophetic law. They were speaking against the testimony, not the moral law. Y'all follow? Mm -hmm. That's what they were doing. Their teaching was leading them to reject the one that cleanses from sin. That's what they were doing. Y'all follow? So yeah, you got to use the mirror to detect the teaching now. Yeah, Y'all, everyone's following? Yeah. So the moral law allows you to see who's violating the more, I mean, just basic moral principles. Amen? Yeah. But prophecy allows you to detect false teachers. Y'all following? Yeah. That's what prophecy is for, to detect false teachers who are teaching things incorrectly isaiah 8 20 has two it says the law and the what testimony all right so that's what we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna follow those those two things a little bit more so that was john 63 now go to it's james right no first john 4 1 right first john 3 4 and can you read that one please Whosoever committed sin transgresseth, transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. All right. Okay, so now we're going to spend a little time here and walk through this now. Why is it that people transgress God's law? I want to see what... Huh? No. Oh, say it again. They're lust, right? Amen. 
because they think there's something to be gained. Amen. They see a gain. They see something that can be gained by breaking this law. But what? Amen. We gonna go there. Amen. She thought she was gonna get life. She thought she was gonna get life. She thought that life came through what? Disobedience. So we sin. Everyone on planet Earth sins because we think there's something to be gained by doing that thing. And God wants us to understand through through prophecy, there is nothing to be gained by disobedience. Nothing. Joy. If joy came by disobedience, then we're saying there's life in disobedience. Joy is life. If you enjoy something, that means there's life in it. Just just think for a second. Can someone really enjoy taking somebody else's life? Can they find pleasure in it? Yes, they can. Yes, right. They can find pleasure in taking someone's life. But is the, is the end of it joy? No. What is going to be the end of it? Sorrow. Sorrow, the Bible says, because the opposite of joy is what? Sorrow. There's, but they may find pleasure in doing it then and there, but they're going to find out that the wages of it is sorrow. There is no joy in, in, in kill, taking someone's life. Yes, you thought it was good to, to stab somebody in the heart. You thought that was fine because you thought you were going to gain something by doing that. Amen? That's why we sin. We're under the deception that by breaking God's law, we're going to get something from doing it. We think the wages for, for doing this, committing this act, we think the wage for watching something we shouldn't watch, that the end of that watching is going to be joy, right? But Je- Genesis 3 shows us, no, no, no. At some point, the voice of God is going to come and convict you, and your joy is going to be taken from you. Y'all follow? The joy, that pleasure, that's, the sorrow must always come because God's word is true. And Ezekiel 8.11 says, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the Son of Man is fully set in them to do evil, right? Because the sentence don't come, because that sorrow don't come right away, people set their hearts fully to continue in breaking God's law. So now let's read James. Can someone read James 1? But every man is tempted when, <clears throat> when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin... When it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sorrow, right? So that's what James says. So the violation, remember, the law of God is there for us to detect transgressors of his law. That's just the moral. We can easily see someone who's lying, bearing false witness, coveting, um, wanting something that somebody else has. Um, the fifth commandment, the first four commandments, those are going to be harder to detect where? On the surface. They're a little bit harder. Only maybe the fourth one you can detect right away on the, on the, on the surface. Yes, because that one is dealing with spiritual understanding. Amen? Yes, that one is a little bit harder to detect. It's only Sabbath and Sunday where you can readily detect. But even though someone readily keeps the Sabbath, it doesn't mean they're keeping the Sabbath. So that's why I say you can't really. I mean, all ten of them is the same, but the first four is really, really much more difficult. So you're going to need what? A spiritual understanding. Amen? I, I mean, all ten is the same. But, I mean, if I see someone taking someone's life, that's very easy. You know, you're a murderer, right? If I see you stealing something, taking something that doesn't belong to you, you're just a thief. And if I, see, if I know you're lying, you're just a liar, right? You, you, you shouldn't be doing that. 
and you're coveting. You can't help to, to talk about what somebody else has had, their property, their good, because you're really coveting. You're really desiring to have that. Or if I hear a child back-talking his mother or his father, it's very clear that he's doing that, right? It, but when it comes to the second one, you can hide your idolatry. You can, you can, be, you can worship money, but you're, you're trying to tell me that money is a good thing, and the reason why you're working is because you want to provide for your family. No, no, no. But the truth is, what is the truth? The love of money is the what? You really have a strong love for the money. Because if I, it, the job might be there, but what you'd re- be willing to do anything to, 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 to keep getting that money, right? So at the end of the day, you're not working to provide for your family. Why do you need to do that work? Why do you need to work to get a million dollars when all you need is a thousand dollars to take care of your home? What is driving you to go for that million dollars when all you need is a thousand dollars to make sure your family's okay? Amen? Now follow, so the real, the real driver, you'll love that thing, so you, you put all your desire into obtaining that. And it's going to lead you to do what? Evil. Because you would do anything to get to that one million dollars. And that's how Satan is driving the world today. Because he's putting that love before them, and they're willing to, to put God's law to the side in order to obtain that love. Amen? But the law and the testimony is given to us to detect even that spirit even to detect that drive to obtain something that they should not get. Now let's read James 4, 1, 2, and 3 to connect that with James 1. Because James says, um, James 1 that you just read, he says for, read it again, James 1, if you're there. Every man's ten. yes, that one. When he's drawn away of his own, lost and into this. Okay, now connect that with James 4. This is all James, James. This is all James is talking about. Why people sin in the first place? Amen. Amen. This is the reason why we break God's law. Everyone sin because they think there's something to be gained. Amen. You think that if you lie to your wife or your husband or your mother or your father, you think there's something to be gained by telling them that lie. But the God wants us to know you're going to lie down in sorrow because after that pleasure of lying to that person, your sin will find you out because God wants you to know there is a God to fear. So he will make it manifest that you were lying. Amen. And you lie because you thought there was something to be gained by telling that lie. But the Lord wants us to know there's, if Satan is going to find out there's nothing to be gained, then it's certain we're going to find out there's nothing to be gained, right? Satan saw at the flood, I'm doomed, I'm dead, I'm going to die. And from that point out, his, in, his, his desire to make man die with him, what did it do? It intensified. And then he came to the cross, oh my goodness, I am certainly, go, I am, if I thought that there was, I was probably not going to die, I now know for certainty, man, I am really done that that truly there was nothing to be gained by me desiring to be God. I'm not going to gain anything from this. Well, you know what? I'm not going out alone. I'm going to take as many people as I possibly can from this point forward. 
I'm going to keep deceiving them, making them think that it's okay to desire to be like God. I'm going to keep deceiving them to make them think that it's okay to chase after money. I'm going to keep deceiving them to make them think that they can, they can commit adultery and find pleasure even in doing that. I'm going to keep doing all of these things. You know why? Because I don't want to suffer in the lake of fire by myself, right? Mm -hmm. That's what he says. And go read Revelation 12. When he saw that he was what? Cast out. What did he do? Man, he went with fury to try to take as many as he can with him. How does he do this? By deceiving us in the way we think and the way we look at things. Amen? And that's what I, we was talking about earlier this week, that there's Christ's point of view of things and there's Satan's point of view of things. And Romario quoted Adam and Eve. Eve was led to see things from whose point of view? Satan's point of view. She already had a point of view. What was, she left that point of view. What was the point of view she had? Thou shalt not eat, right? And she found joy in obeying that point of view. But Satan deceived her to make her think that there's real, that that point of view, that's a bad joy. There is no happiness from that point of view. True happiness comes from my point of view. And what was his point of view? Transgression of the law. So you know what that teaches us? This is why I say I love the Bible and I love what God is doing so much. If you really just take the Ten Commandments and you just take right and wrong, just look at it. Worldly people can only find joy in breaking God's law. That's it. Their happiness only stems from just because God say don't do something, they find joy in not obeying that commandment. That's it. Not, not real joy in doing what the thing says, but because I get to break his law, I'm happy with doing that. That's where Satan gets his joy from, just breaking God's commandment. So what did Jesus have to come and do? Show us that there is joy in what? Obedience. So there is a real joy in obeying God. But we have not because we what? Now read James 4. Now read James 4, please. But when come, come wars and fighting among you, come they not hence even even of your lust, that war in your members. So hold on. Why do fightings come? Because of our lust. Hold on. What is the only reason why fighting comes? Right there. Right there. Just go to the first fight. There was war where? Why did it come? Because he desired to have something, right? He wanted something, and the law did what? Stood in his way. What did Satan want? What did he really want? Joy in disobedience. That's what he wanted. He wanted to find fun in breaking God's law. But the Lord says, thou shalt have no what? Other gods. Other gods. He, so the law was actually speaking to his what? His mind. The, that means he should have never even had that thought. Because it says, thou shalt have no other gods. But he says, I will what? Be like the most. But the law says, thou shalt not. Well, I'm going to have. Well, how are you going to have if God is still there? Well, what does James say? He lusts and have not. He kills and desires to have. So what did he want to do? So what did Jesus say? He was a what? Murderer from where? From heaven. He was a murderer from heaven. His true desire was to destroy God and his law. Because the only way he can have fun is if God is taken out of the picture. The only way sinners can enjoy their sin 
is that the voice of God never speaks to them. So the only way to keep sinning is to destroy that voice that speaks to them. Y'all follow? So this is why the dragon is going to be what? Because something is going to keep speaking to them. Y'all follow? Something is going to keep speaking to them. And, and Genesis 3 says they heard the what? The voice. voice of God and they were what? Afraid. Afraid. Their, their pleasure has now come to an end. Y'all follow? They find joy in it. They find joy in breaking because that was the first rebellious person, Lucifer, Satan. He enjoys, I mean, he loves to break God's commandment. He can't love it anymore because the Bible says there's no light in him. Joy and light is one and the same. Y'all follow? Joy and light, real, real joy, a, a joy that really comes to a solid conclusion. That's the only place that we'll find happiness is in obedience to God's law. The Bible plainly says the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. There is no joy in obedience. The only reason we feel joy in, dis in disobeying now is because the consequences is not executed right then and there. Because the consequence, but the truth is, it is executed. Yep. It is executed. You know why we can't see it? it? That's one. What's another reason we can't see it? The, Jesus teaches us in the parable. There's a reason we don't see it. Oh, it starts with a seed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. That's why we don't see it. Because when you sin today, it's only a seed that you just sown. Because the, what does the Bible say? The harvest is at the end. Amen. That's where the harvest is. So every sin, it has a time before it develops into a harvest. So the, the, when you break God's law today, you're only sowing something. But the Bible says, be not deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also what? Reap. That's why people keep sinning because nobody plants an apple seed and gets an apple tree with apples the same time he plants it. Amen. Unless you're God where you can violate, not violate, but go, but kind of alter that law that he has placed in nature supernaturally. That's not possible. Amen. It's not possible. And I know God can do that. How do I know? J Jonah chapter three, where the Lord made a gourd grow up the same night. He, so the Lord can make an apple tree bear apples the same time that is planted. But there's no reason for him to do that. Amen. There's no reason for him. So we have to wait and allow things to take their course. And that's why Satan sinned. But Satan can see the end of his sin. But you know what our loving God did? He showed him prophecy. God showed Satan the conclusion of his rebellion. Guess what Satan did? What did Satan do when the Lord showed him that? It's written in the Bible. How do we understand spiritual things? Yes, but how do we understand spiritual things? No, no, yes, we study. Yes, that's one, but how do we... Comparing spiritual with spiritual, in order to compare spiritual with spiritual, you have to see the spiritual thing and then compare that with another spiritual thing. But how do you get to the first level of spiritual thing? The natural, right? So how do I know when Christ showed Satan the end... What was his response to that? Something natural had to be shown me in the Bible that let me know that that was Satan's reaction as well. Y'all know the story. Yes. Something, huh? Yes, David is one, but I'm looking for his reaction. That when, no, not that. Yes, he was afraid, but uh, I'm going to have to give away the answer. No. 
Someone, someone said, y'all going to get the answer now. No, that's what he's saying with David. You're going to get the answer once I give it away. Maybe I'm not saying it right, and forgive me if I'm not saying it right. But, okay, someone said that they were going to go with Christ to the end. See, I knew I would give it an answer. Yeah, I knew I would give it away. Peter said that I will, I'm not going to do that thing. But, but Christ says, no, 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 you're going to do that thing. But Peter says, Lord, ain't no way I'm going to deny you. So what did Lucifer do when he was shown the end? I'm not going to do that thing. Be it far from you. That's madness. Me kill God? No way in the world I'm going to do that. I just want a kingdom where I can do what I want. That's all I want. But Christ says, no, in order to have the kingdom where you can do what you want, you're going to have to remove me. You have to kill me. And no way I'm not going to do that. What was the result? He did the very, because what did Peter do? He did the very thing. Amen. Y'all follow? Go ahead. Yes. Next time you see that, it's lying. Two different things. Because when Satan finally decided to do what he did, he was no more. He, he was no yes, more he was undeceived. The Amen. The first time you do it, you're just ignorant. And the Lord is trying to show you something, but you're just ignorant. And Judas, but Judas and Peter showed the same thing. Amen. Peter was ignorant. Judas was not. Amen. I said, what thou doest? Do quickly. Do quickly. Amen. He was not, and he went for, for anyway. anything he said from that point, he was just lying. Lying. But where was, where was the only way that was going to help Lucifer? He had to have faith in the revelation that was shown to him. He had to believe in the prophecy. That's why he hates what? Prop, because he knows it's sure. He knows it's sure. He knows that what Christ is saying someone is going to do, it's sure because he knows it by experience. So his rage for that detector of false teaching is strong. Y'all follow? Just like his rage for God's Ten Commandments that plainly shows the open sinner what's right and wrong, it's strong. So his rage, prophecy detects the secret rebellious spirit. Y'all follow? That's what prophecy is designed for. I mean, if you break God's Ten Commandments, I can plainly see you're breaking his law, right? But now you accept that you're a Seventh-day Adventist. It's a little bit harder for me now to kind of see where you're in violation of that law, right? Amen, especially when you come every Sabbath. So how am I going to now detect that you really don't like his law? What comes out of the mouth? Amen. Because whatever you teach is going to uphold that sin that you love. It doesn't matter how much you try to mask it, try to hide it like the papacy or Jezebel with makeup on her face. You know, we're not supposed to wear makeup and those things. Why do people wear makeup? To hide their true self. Amen. So false teaching is a makeup. Uh, Revlon, Maybelline, all those things is just errors. People introduce errors to cover the eyelash, to cover the cheek, to cover these things so that they can continue committing the sin in which they love to commit. Amen? Y'all follow? Yes, they're already beautiful. <laughs> you know. Amen. They cover themselves. Amen. Or they just break the mirror, like the atheists. Just break the mirror, right? Or, or papacy, they, they break the mirror by altering the mirror. That's how they break it, right? By introducing a counterfeit. But atheism just flat out breaks the mirror. But papacy, they break the mirror too. But remember, they do it by transgression. Amen? 
Okay, so now let's read the next one. I think that was Second Thessalonians, right, Lissa? Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Yes, let's go there. Hebrews 11, 24. Let me know when I'm 40, at 45 minutes, please. By faith, Moses, when he was 120 years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to endure the judgment of sin for a few months. What do we get from that based on what we just talked about? It, pleasures of what? Pleasures of sin. Amen? So there is pleasure that comes from what? Sin. Moses chose rather, though, to suffer with Job, to suffer with Adam, to suffer with Enoch, to suffer with Jesus, to suffer with Paul, to suffer with Peter, to suffer with Ellen White, to suffer with James White, to suffer with William Miller, to suffer with the 144,000 at the end of the world. Amen? Moses was a student of prophecy. He wasn't just thinking about the people in Egypt. He was thinking about all the Israel of God. Amen. Mm -hmm. And he chose to suffer with all the Israel of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for what? For a season. For a season. So, so your enjoyment of sin is only for a time. Amen. The sorrow will certainly come at some point in time. Right. And just it was nice when I was meditating upon these things. Like I said, just take God's Ten Commandments and just lay it up on, on the board, right? The first commandment, what does it say? Thou shalt have no other gods, right? What's the second one? No great. What's the third one? What's the seventh one? Commit adultery, right? So you mean to tell me, when I look at the Ten Commandments, your happiness comes from sleeping with another man's wife? You find joy in taking somebody else's wife? You find joy in stealing somebody else's money? You find joy in taking God's name in vain and blaspheming his name? You find joy in saying, I want to be like the Most High? Do y'all follow? Mm -hmm. Do you find joy in speaking back to your mother and your father? Do you find joy in hating a brother or a sister in the heart? Do you really find joy in that? Is that really fun? Is that really desirable? That's the only thing the world does. That's it. There's nothing else. It's either hatred for God's law or love for God's law. That's it. Those are the only two choices everyone in this planet is placed with. Genesis chapter 2 verse 16 tells us that. For God, um, the, and the Lord God commanded the man that of um, every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, right? But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what is that? A knowledge of evil, a knowledge of sin. Thou mayst not, um, you may not eat that thing, because the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So the Lord already attached to sin, sorrow, right? He's already attached, but he's attached happiness to, um, to obedience. He's already done that. So when I put those two things together, and I'm like, man, we really find joy in telling a lie to somebody? I really find joy in that? How could I have found joy in that? But ask somebody now to tell them to go have only your wife. They, the worldly people, tell them to have only their wife. They'll get angry with you because you're interfering with their what? Their pleasures. Their pleasures. I have a right. I, I have a choice if I want to sin. That's true. You absolutely do have a right. And he, amen. And Herodias, he got, so thank you for that. That's a nice example. He got mad because he was being told he can't have another man's wife. Because his pleasures was being interfered with. 
if we honestly sit, this is what Satan don't want people to do. He don't want people to think. Because if we really think about what we're doing, if we really reason about what we're about to do, we will begin to see, man, there's really no joy in doing that thing. How can I think that doing that thing is going to make me happy? How can I think that by going after another man's possession is right? It's not right. It is wrong. Amen? It's just wrong. How can a child be happy with disobeying his mother and his father? You know what the Bible says? They are going to be happy with doing that. It's in, th it's in Timothy where it says, no, um, knowing this first, that in the last days what shall come? Perilous time shall come. Children is going to be disobedient to parents. Why are they disobedient? Because Moses says they find pleasure in being disobedient. Amen? At the end of the world, people are sinning because they actually find pleasure in doing that thing. And that's why we need to put the mirror up to ourselves. Do I find pleasure in doing that? If I'm doing something that I know that God's word says not to do, it is because I find pleasure in it. That's why I'm doing it. It's, that's what the Bible just says, right? But Moses choosing rather to what? So when we don't want the pleasures of this world, what's going to naturally happen to us? We're going to suffer. Mm -hmm. Suffering comes with resisting sin. That's why Christ says, take up your cross and what? Follow me. Take up your suffering of denying yourself that worldly pleasure and follow me. Moses took up his cross and he did what? Followed Christ. That's what he did. He chose rather to ignore the pleasures of this world and he chose rather to follow Christ. Read the next one for, for us. Where is it, Lisa? This is now Thessalonians. I want us to now see that the man of worldly pleasures is the papacy. The man of all worldly pleasures is the papacy. And if we enjoy and if we enjoy the pleasure, if we find pleasure in breaking God's law, what are we? Roman Catholics. We can be in the Adventist church all we want. If we find pleasure in breaking God's law, we are Roman Catholics. Catholics, what does it mean? Universal. So Catholics is universal transgressors of God's law. So everyone who transgressed God's law is a Roman Catholic. Y'all follow? She says popery is the religion of what? Roman Catholicism. So anyone who finds pleasures in breaking God's law, we will worship the beast and his image, right? Any pleasure that's found in breaking any one of God's commandment, we will, by default, worship the beast and his image. We have to. We have to because we find pleasure in breaking his law. Jesus found pleasure where? In keeping his law. So those who have his spirit will find pleasure in, in obedience. I'm, I want to encourage, there's re, there is a real joy in obeying God. There has to be. If there's a real joy in breaking his law, then the opposite, there's a real joy in keeping his law. But James says we have not because we what? Ask not. We don't ask God for that real joy. Ask him for it. Lord, there's a real joy that comes from obedience because Jesus came to show me that there is a real joy that comes from it. So therefore, Lord, I want that spirit. You see, this is what the foolish virgins didn't ask for. They, we, there's, it's one thing to have the light, but it's another thing to have the spirit. It, there are two separate things. We can have the knowledge all we want, but if we don't have the spirit, we're not really his. That's what the Bible's teaching us. 
We can sit here all we want and walk in the light, but if we don't have the Spirit, what is the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, temperance, meekness. Against such there is no law, right? If we, that's what the foolish virgins lack. They lack that. They lack the real life that comes from God. Go ahead. Praise God. For the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Christ says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father to give the Holy what? Spirit to them now what? So, but the foolish virgins don't ask for it. Um, this is why this is sad. They don't ask for it because they don't what? They don't want it. They don't want the joy that comes from God. It's that simple. They don't want the joy of obeying God. They want to just live in the light, but they don't want that real. There is a real, I praise God to know that and to understand it. I ask for it. I, I ask for it. Lord, help me to obey that thing that I love to, wherever I love to sin against you the most, help me to come to hate that and to, and to come to love the obeying the part of what I love to once do. Amen. I, I, I ask for that because I want it. I want that. James says you have not because you what? Ask not. And, and you ask amiss that you might consume it up on your own what? Lust. You're, whatever you ask God for, you're asking for it so you can keep enjoying that pleasures of sin. But the, the Bible says you're not going to get it, though, because your whole purpose of it is to keep breaking his law. That's your real reason for asking, to keep breaking his law, right? But we don't want to do that. What's the next one? So Thessalonians, now read that one. Let's look at the let's look at the, the mystery of iniquity. That this is his desire. If somebody had that. Second Thessalonians two seven to twelve. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only we who now yet will watch until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that which might be revealed be revealed for concerning the spirit of wickedness, and for the spirit which is brought into unhappiness, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying hold on in deceivableness unrighteousness in, in what and then and that perish and let's look at why they perish continue because they Be, hold on because what so by this cause right that's what it's saying by this cause now they're about to tell us why they perish by this cause continue What was the reason for them not believing in the truth? They love not the truth. Because they had pleasure where? In unrighteousness. in unrighteousness. So what is the real reason people don't believe the truth? They find pleasure in unrighteousness. To, to have the truth, the truth reveals that there is no pleasure in unrighteousness. That's what the truth does. There is no pleasure in there. This is why people don't love spiritual things. Spiritual things shows you the end of something, right? That's what it does. It shows you the end of the matter. That's why Satan hates prophecy. Prophecy keeps the end before him. The reason God shows us the end is so that we might turn out of the wrong way and turn into the right way. Amen? Because the Bible says there's a way that seems what? Right onto a man, but the what? The end. What's, what's at the end? Is what? Sorrow. Sorrow is at the end. So what does the foolish don't want? They don't want to see the what? The end. They don't want the end 
pointed out before them. Because to see that is going to make me afraid. And I don't like to feel afraid. I want to keep enjoying my pleasures. So therefore, I'm going to reject the what? Truth. I'm going to turn on, I'm going to stop my ears from hearing God's what? Commandments. I'm going to, I'm going to close my eyes to the more sure word of prophecy. To close the eyes means to put out your eternal, your, um, your fart, your, uh, how does Peter say it? Um, he says it, he says they're blind um, because they willingly, will, this, willingly ignorant. He says yeah. something else, the eyes. He says with the eyes that they see afar off. That's it. They don't see afar off. They're, they're blind. They don't want to see afar off. They don't want to see the end of the whole matter. They want to continue in the pleasures, pleasures of sin for that season. So now we're going to take that. What was after that, Lissa? How many? Okay, thank you. For, for till 45, right? All right, so now I'm going to jump Genesis and I'm going to go to Je um, Revelation 12, 17. Can somebody read Revelation 12, 17? I'm going to go up to an hour. Okay. Revelation 12, 17. And the dragon was brought with the woman that had been swallowed the remnant of her seed, which keeps the commandments of God and has the faith and has the testimony of Jesus Christ. Okay, so why is the dragon wrath with the woman? Because they keep the mirror up before them. Y'all follow? The law, the Ten Commandments, is God's moral mirror. The testimony is his prophetic mirror. They both are pointing to the same thing. Y'all follow? That's why the, Satan was mad because the law kept pointing out what he really wants to do. Praise the Lord. One is cause, one is what? Effect. If you want to break this law, well, prophecy is going to show you the end of breaking that law, right? If you want to keep the law, prophecy is going to show you the end of keeping that law, right? They both point to the same thing. That's why Isaiah can say to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it's because they're a dragon. Amen? They're a dragon. That's why they're not speaking according to this word. And when God raises up a people that's going to speak according to that word, that dragon-like popery spirit that's in them is going to be wroth with that teaching, right? They're going to be angry, and they're going to have no choice but to reveal that anger. And now they're a dragon. Y'all follow? That's where the Lord is leading us right now. We're about to come to the midnight cry, and that popery-like spirit that's in us the Lord is going to shine that mirror up on us, and it's going to produce two kinds of people. One is going to break his heart. The other one's going to try to break the mirror, I, whether it be his Ten Commandments or his what? Or spirit of prophecy. Y'all follow? That's it. You're either going to break the Ten Commandments, or you're going to say we don't need to keep the law, or you're going to go against prophecy and say that's not so. You know why people say that's not so? Because it hasn't happened yet. It's easy for you to say that's not so. It hasn't happened yet. But the Ten Commandments, no, no, it's happening right in front of your face. You're, you, man, you're, you're, you're breaking the Sabbath. It says right here, remember the Sabbath day. Why are you remembering the first day? It says remember the Sabbath. Well, Jesus died. Jesus died for what? To take away the law. But Jesus says, think not that I've come to destroy the law. But you're telling me to think that he came to destroy the law? That's, that's contradicting. Yes, amen. Amen. So now let's go to Revelation chapter 10. Um, Let's actually go to Revelation. Yeah, read 19.10 first. Go ahead. 
Yeah, like if you're saying that prophecy makes the law like practical before you, like the Lord gives you stories, like the 1260. The 1260 is just an acting out of the Ten Commandments. You know, here's this woman that hates the Ten Commandments, and because she hates it, she teaches men to break it. Well, here's the people that love God's Ten Commandments, and they tell people to keep it. That's all the 1260 is teaching you. Every prophecy teaches you to keep the law, how to keep the law, what's the consequences of keeping the law, what's the reward for keeping the law. Every prophecy is going to teach you that, right? Amen. And that we might do all the words of the law. What did he say? What did he say? What did he say? Okay. No, nah, consequences of keeping the law. Yeah. There's consequences. I know. Yeah. I meant those like, Okay, cool. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, 19.10. Revelation 19.10. And I saw one sheep was with me, and he said unto me, Do thou do it to keep. Do thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Both of God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the testimony of Jesus is the what? Spirit of prophecy. And just study out the spirit of prophecy. Ellen White says the spirit of prophecy was before me, past, present, and future. So the spirit of prophecy is past, present, and future. That's what prophecy shows you. It shows you how to keep God's law in the past. And what is God's law in the past? It shows you God's law for the present and how to keep God's law in the present. And it shows you how we're going to keep God's law in the future and who's going to war against God's law in the future and the end results for warring against God's law in the future and the reward for keeping God's law in the future. Amen? That's what prophecy is going to show you. And Isaiah 28.10. 20, precept must be upon precept, line upon line. Amen. Uh, amen. And where has the Lord written out for us past, present, and future? Right here. Right here. So these two mirrors is now going to tell me who's teaching according to the past, the present, and the future. Amen. And when you go to Revelation 11.1, 1, can someone read Revelation 11.1? 1? We're going to close out around this point. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and he made his foot king. Rise, measure the temple of God and the altar of them that worship therein. Read verse 2-2, two, two, please. But the court is without. And the which temple, is without. Which is without. These, without, the without, the without the temple, these without and measure it not. For it is give, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot 40, 40 and two months. So that verse, all our pioneers understood, marks off 1798, right? Because the angel says, leave out the 1260. Leave that part out and measure from 1798 down to the point where you had to rise and measure the temple, right? So, and all our pioneers understood that Revelation 11.1 1 was the third angel's message. And, and it was said to them, there was a reed like unto, given me like unto a rod. And Uriah Smith says, this reed, was that we had to take it as like the message from 1798 down to October 22nd, 1844. So you know what the Lord just made for us very easily? The Ten Commandments, the two tables, easily detect the breakers of his law. Just read the Ten Commandments, and whoever you see violated in any one of those, Isaiah 820 says to the what? Law to the testimony, there's what? No light in them. So anyone who's, who's breaking God's Ten Commandments, there's no light in them. Sunday worshipers keep Sunday because they find pleasure in keeping Sunday. But the law says you're a transgressor of the law, right? It says you are a violator of God's Ten Commandments. So your pleasure is actually a deceptive one. 
You're actually deceived into thinking there's joy in worshiping God on Sunday. But Jesus says very plainly, in vain do they what? Worship me, teaching for what? Doctrines, the commandments of men. So your reason for keeping Sunday was a doctrine that was introduced by the mystery of iniquity. Right? So it's always, so what makes me now know that that teaching is wrong? Right here. These two tables. The Ten Commandments tell me what's morally right and what's what what promotes right actions but these tell me to how to measure people's teachings if they're teaching their teaching is either leading to the keeping of these two tables or to breaking these two tables right and just like satan threw out the seventh day he threw out the seven times y'all follow the seven times leads you to the seventh day. It, they, they're one and the same. So out of the church, he has people violating the seventh day. And in the church, he has them violating the seven times. The reason for them going in the seven times, was, Ezekiel says, is because they broke the Sabbath. Y'all follow? The whole reason for the seven times, the 25-20, was because they broke the Sabbath. So Satan has them breaking it without, and he has them breaking it with him. One through the moral law, one through the prophecy. Amen. <laughs> yes, and one is cloaked. But either way, whether openly or cloaked, the two tables is there to detect every false teaching that stands before us. The angel says, rise and measure every teaching that stands before you. And if that teaching is not leading you to honor what's on these two tables or the Ten Commandments, because Isaiah says to the law and to the testimony. So Revelation 1 is the rule to measure what's by the law and the testimony. Y'all follow? That's why it's given to us. So given to that Seventh-day Adventist church was a reed like unto a rod to measure every man that comes into this faith. Amen? So that's why Ellen White can say none need be deceived. We have plainly written out. The Bible says write the vision and make it what? Plain. Now I want to end around this point. Has anyone ever wondered why it's called the Ark of the Testament or the Ark of the Testimony? What's a testimony? By who? By one who had experienced it, right? Has anyone ever stopped to think why it's called the Ark of the Testimony? Because God, that's the Ten Commandments, is God's testimony. He didn't allow anybody else to speak it or to write it. The Bible says, and God, what? Spake all these words. Put my testimony into an ark. Ellen White says the only thing not written in the Bible was the Ten Commandments. She says that's the only divine thing that's in the Bible. Everything else was written by men. But the Bible says God spake all these words himself, and he wrote these things himself, and he put what he said, he put his testimony of what a man should be, his relation to God and his relation to man, and he put them into an ark. And that's what the angels are protecting, God's testimony. Y'all follow? It's called the ark of his testimony. It's his testimony, and that's what we are to keep. Just sit down and consider why it's like that. It's not Moses' word. That's not Moses who wrote, spoke those words or wrote those words. God spoke and wrote those words, and he put what he spoke and wrote into the ark, and man put what they spoke and wrote into the Bible. Y'all follow? And the Bible has the testimony of, of men that came and says, look, this was our experience with God, but the Ten Commandments that's God all by himself. And the only one who can really teach us about that is who? 
because it's his testimony, right? It's his testimony, and that's where Christ now comes in. That's where Jesus now comes in to, to, to personally and really teach us about how to keep God's Ten Commandments. Our goal is to point people to the land that takes away the sin of the world, right? But if we have a wrong concept of what we are to believe, at the end of the world, we're going to end up leading people wrong, and we're going to lead ourselves wrong at the end of the day. Amen? So I just want to pray that as we walk through this, one, that we walk away leaving understanding that there's a real joy that comes from obeying God. There's a real pleasure that comes from doing right. And if we don't, if we don't find joy in going to the prayer meeting, if we don't find joy in studying our Bibles, if we don't find joy in keeping God's Sabbath, if we don't find joy in talking about God, it's because we find joy in doing something else. It's that plain, right? Because that's what James says. James says, you, you have not because you what? Ask not. You don't have that joy. You don't have that real love because you don't ask for it. But, be, but remember, when you ask for it, don't get mad with the answer God is going to give to you, right? Because he may say you may have to suffer a little while to get that thing in which you ask for, right? That, that's what he may, he may say. Jesus had to suffer for the joy that was set where? Before him. He had, to, he had to go through the cross in order to get that. Why did he have to go through the cross? Because you have to crucify the flesh with his what? Affections and lusts. They're, I really want us to get this, this part, at least. The joy that we're asking for is not that you don't have it. Not that the Lord didn't give it to you, I should say. He gives it to you, but the parable teaches us how it comes. Mario quoted, what's that parable? It's small at first. That joy, it's small. So the bad, the bad desire still outweighs that small joy. But what does Jesus say? You got to make it grow. Well, how do you make a seed grow? You got to water it. So what does the Bible say? Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may what? Grow there. So if you want that joy to grow, what do you have to do? Water it. You have to spend time in God's word and study. Water it. Keep watering that little joy that every one of us in this room right now, at some point in our experience, we experience some joy with God. At some point. Go ahead. Amen. And I was saying at some point in our experience, we experience that joy. And that's why the Bible can say you have left thy what? First love. There's that whenever we come to Christ, at some point we enjoyed something. And now what do we do from that part? We water it that 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 joy may grow because Christ says it's a mustard seed. If we understand that parable, so many things will be explained to it. Every little every truth is a mustard seed. Every pleasure that God gives us is a mustard seed. And one day is going to grow to where that joy one day, if we continue growing with growing in it, what does Jesus say is going to become? It's going to be a what? A great tree. That means you're going to we're going to really come to a place where, man, like Joseph, we're going to say, how can I do this wicked thing and what? Sin against my God. Joseph was a tree. That's where he was. And that he was not willing to have, um, what's her name? Potiphar's wife, right? He was not willing to have her cut that tree down. Joseph was not going to let her cut that tree down. He was going to keep and preserve that joy. And he was willing to, to hold on to that joy to be thrown into prison to keep that joy, right? It was joy for keeping God's commandment that made Joseph go into prison and suffer what he suffered. And when he came out, what did Joseph find? Sorrow or an exceeding great joy? 
an exceeding great joy for keeping God's commandment. So he brought forth fruits. Amen. He was now ruling the kingdom. And what was that kingdom? Let's see who's spiritual. What was the kingdom? No, 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 no. Not just heaven. It's himself. Right? God gave him great self-control. Y'all follow? When Joseph was ruling Egypt, he was ruling himself. Y'all follow? Yes. And now that, amen, that's what he had. He had control over his passions because he learned to control it in adversity. Amen. And now the Lord gave, he died in joy. That's how Joseph died. He died in joy. But he didn't allow that pleasure of what he got to mar the eternal pleasure that he was going to get. And how do we know that? Joseph says, look, when I die in Egypt, take my bones with you. So where was his mind? On the everlasting joy. Amen. He knew the joy that he was having there. That was only a type to teach him what he was going to get at the end. Joseph was a student of prophecy. He understood that. That's why he says, take my bones out of Egypt. I want when the Lord raised me from the grave, my bones is not found in Egypt. Amen. Joseph knew that. He understood that. And he was looking for that. And he, and he told that to his children and they were to look forward to that. Amen. Amen. And so the Lord wants us to see uh, really that there's real joy. So the encouragement I'm trying to bring. It's to encourage us. If we don't find joy in doing something the Lord asks us to do, don't be ashamed about it. Just go to the Lord and tell the Lord, Lord, I don't find joy in doing this. Please give me the joy in doing this. Why, Lord? Because I know there's a real joy that comes from obeying you. Because Jesus came as my example to show me that there's really a great joy in doing what's right. Amen. Amen. And the only motivation that we should ever have for doing what's right is love for God's commandment. Right? That's, the that's where the real motivation is. So I, I pray that we can leave here with it to know that these messages are sure. And the reason why God wants us to know it's sure is because of what we're about to pass through in the near future. Amen. Amen. So let us close out with the prayer. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you there, Lord, once again for the Sabbath, for your great mercies. And I thank you for the Bible, O oh Lord, that's able to make us wise unto salvation. And I pray and ask, O oh Lord, that you help us to receive the truth and the love of it. As we are told, there's a class that will not receive the truth and the love of it, not because it's not true. They don't reject it because it's not true. Because in obeying that truth, it teaches them to find pleasure in obedience and not pleasure in disobedience. There's only two pleasures in this world, O oh Lord. One that, that desires to obey and the other one that finds joy in disobedience. Please, Lord, help us to shun that, that pleasure, O oh Lord, that's only for a season. Because the joy that comes from God is eternal. You banished Adam and Eve out of the garden because they thought there was joy in disobedience. And, and you showed them that there was no joy there but except banishment. But Jesus came and died in their place. And you showed that there's joy in what he did because you took him to heaven. Um, giving man an assurance that at the end of this course, there's going to be an eternal joy. So please help us, O Lord, to partake of that tree, even the tree of life and not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Please help continue to be with us this Sabbath day, and may you bless the following presentations that are to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.